What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rebunk. My name is Scott, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee. <clears throat> and as you can tell, I'm kind of losing my voice here a little bit. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sick. I don't feel ill. Nothing's going on there. It's just I got a raspy voice. I've just been doing a lot of talking the last couple of days, apparently. So there you go. Um, all right, guys, I got a fantastic show for you all tonight. Um, it's going to be a very informative episode. Um, as you can see, we're going to be talking about the financial system, economics, like all the stuff that's going on with my good friend, John. He's been on, actually, he has not been on Rebunk yet. Uh, he's been on shows with Truezilla. I've been on with him multiple times on the Union of the Unwanted. Fantastic guy. All kinds of expertise in this area. I'm looking forward to getting into it. But before we get too far into it, I just want to show you how you can follow and support the show. So just head over to Rebunk.news. That's the website. This is where you can follow and support. Uh, you can, oh, see, based on our last episode, see, this is where you can, all the value for value donation options this is where the deep state can make contributions to me here, right? Yeah. So there you go. Deep state. If you want to, sorry, inside joke, inside joke. So basically there was a big hit piece on me, John, and they were telling me that because I have these little buttons that you can donate, that's, that's me signaling to the deep state that I'm open for business. So that's hilarious. So deep state, if you want to donate to me to the cause there you go, we got all the social media on there, video platforms and make sure you're subscribed on your audio podcast platform and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And that really helps. Um, you got the affiliates at the top, including Richard Groves Autonomy, TRS Heavy Metal Detox, and then the T-shirt shop. So let's click over to the T-shirt shop. Um, you got all kinds of awesome designs. You got the censorship kills. When you comply, you die. You got the regular uh, logo for the show. Uh, the Beavis. Oh, John, check this out. Are you threatening me? It's the Beavis. Are you threatening me shirt? Like, how cool is that? Okay. That one's like every that's the one that everyone's buying right there. That's that's the that's the main. So anybody, you guys, 16 bucks. These shirts are just like a no-brainer. We got Christmas coming up. Give your friends, give your family, you know, some official rebunk swag. Um, we've got the new sweatshirts, like 30 bucks for a sweatshirt. You can't get a freaking sweatshirt for 30 bucks anywhere. Plus, you can be repping all these little truth designs. There you go. We got this one too. Uh, the Trump mugshot, of course, it says, but he's wanted for vaccine genocide. Donald J. Trump. There you go. Good times had by all. So, um, yeah. And then the last thing I just want to shout out is the Substack. So rebunk.substack.com. That's where you can stay up to date with the show. It's pretty much my email list. So if you sign up there with your email, then you get notifications about when I'm going live or anything going on with the show. Um, you can upgrade your subscription for five bucks a month, which really helps the show. So I want to actually encourage you guys to consider doing that. Just consider it five bucks a month really helps drive the show forward and allows me to do the things that I do. So, all right, guys, without further ado, I'm going to bring in the great John Sneeson. He is the, he's uh, the, the guy behind the economic truth.org. He's a podcaster, author, speaker. Um, he works closely with G Edward Griffin, like just the man pretty much John, what's going on? How are you? Oh, oh, you're muted again. Oh, oh, sorry, see. my muting button. Oh, sorry, I mute myself. <laughs> you're good. How yeah, you no, doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, it's going great here over in uh, the Communist Republic of uh, China. Uh, we're doing good mm. up here. Yeah, though I'm I'm in the middle of the country here. I'm in a province that probably and nobody's heard about in the United States called Manitoba. 
I've heard of Manitoba. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, not, not everybody, but yeah, it's a it's a very tiny little place in the middle of the country and uh, pretty quiet. You know, lots of big government here, except for I live on the countryside, so the government doesn't really bother me at all, which is good. So yeah. that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay. When you're when you're out in the country, you know, uh, you don't really have the government in your face as much, right? No. But, but I heard uh, Owen Benjamin had this one line. He says like. The, the amount of government in your life is directly proportionate to the morality of your community. So if you live in a, like a, like a smaller town, like a high trust, low crime community, like there's no government. There's like a sheriff maybe sitting at the edge of town and that's it. Like there's nothing, there's no government. You don't get a sense of, of any sort of government presence. But then if you live in like a major city with just like crime and degeneracy everywhere, then you have government everywhere. So you need government. Yeah. So the answer to no government is to create high trust, high morality communities. So there exactly. you go. Yeah. So speaking of little or no government, I'm really curious about your thoughts on uh, this new Argentinian president that was just recently elected. I, I see. I didn't even hear about this situation. I was kind of out of the loop. Um, Javier Malay, who is a anarcho-capitalist libertarian, was nominated for or, or elected, like apparently by a huge margin, um, as yeah, the president. Of I think it was twelve percent. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because all the mainstream articles are like, "Oh my God, this is the Donald Trump moment of South America and all this stuff," and they're freaking out. Yeah. But if obviously they don't understand anything <laughs> comparing him to Donald Trump. But also, I also hear rumblings that he is doing a lot to disrupt the economic system down there. So I, I figured like you're you're the expert in this field. So I really yeah. want to get your take on the election and, and what your thoughts are and what his plan is to kind of revamp things. From. Yeah, you, you really hope that he's going to be able to do a lot of crazy. He wants to remove the central bank of Argentina, wow. um, Banco Argentine, the Argentine. Uh, he, uh, of course, wants to uh, get basically go uh, on to the US dollar as a medium of exchange. Now, of course, you the, the, you know, the, if you are an American, you hear that. It's kind of like, why is that stupid idea? The American dollar is uh, garbage, too. Uh, but actually, it's way, way better because what they're doing is they're forcing the government can't print money through the Argentinian peso. <laughs> so that's kind of his idea of stopping the government spending. And then I don't know if anybody has seen there's tons of videos of him like doing whiteboard uh, video where he just mm. rips off like 80 percent of all the government uh, agencies. Wow. <laughs> like, let's get rid of this one. Get <laughs> rid of that one. Uh, and um of course, Millet, he's he's an interesting fellow. Like, he's been an economist for a while. He's also been a celebrity. So I think that's maybe why they're connecting him to being to like Donald Trump. Of course, he's like so far away from Donald Trump yeah. uh, being an anarcho-capitalist and a libertarian. Donald Trump, he grew the government and Millet wants to cut government by 80 percent. So it's a little, little bit of a difference <laughs> between the two guys, yeah. uh, of course. So yeah. uh, and then Millet, he uh, actually the reason why Javier Millet is the uh, you know, became an anarcho-capitalist in the first place is a guy called Doug Casey. I don't know if anybody's familiar with Doug Casey, um, uh, but, you know, he's he's the guy that wrote the, uh, was it, oh, I forgot his book again, but uh, I'm a part of actually Doug's community right now, uh, which is a whole bunch of anarcho-capitalists and libertarians that are meeting in a social media group. Uh, I think it's over a thousand. But anyways, Doug Casey was the guy that actually into, and he actually, if guys are familiar with Jeff Berwick, you might be familiar with oh, Jeff yeah. Berwick. Yeah. So he was the guy that created uh, Jeff Berwick, basically made him into an anarcho-capitalist. 
so yeah, and and of course he gave uh, Javier Millet a book back in the day, and uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the result. The first ever. You know, like what's funny is I, I tried, you know, the similar approach that Millet did uh, here in Manitoba. And of course, I, I was stupid enough to listen to a uh, political, you know, uh, what do you call them, a uh, consultant. It's like, mm. oh, you got to water down. You can't go so extreme on, you know, showing what you want to do. And, you know, nobody, uh, people would be too afraid to vote for you. It's like, well, look at what uh, Javier Millet did. He just told uh, everybody that's going to cut government by 75, 80%. He's going to remove the central bank. Uh, he's going to basically create a uh, free market down there. Uh, and uh, people voted for him. Um, now the thing is that the initial election, he didn't get as much. So like he will struggle to probably get some of his, his things out because they oh, have yeah. to pass the Congress. And so that's where the big, uh, limit is going to be is in that Congress. So he has to like, uh, be a lot allied with, you know, the regular conservatives and so on down there. So I don't know, it could be just a complete stalemate and nothing happens, uh, for him, but at least there's a guy that talks about cutting government drastically in power. Uh, and that's probably the more important thing here is that the message is getting out there. And uh, and it got out to, you know, Argentinians used to have a very vibrant economy in the 60s. They used to be very wealthy. But then uh, what happens with a lot of wealth in a country, and I, I'd grown up in Norway, so I know all about this, uh, is that you take that wealth and then you create all these big government socialist policies and over time, government becomes massive, big, and overbloated. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's four out of every uh, 10 uh, Argentinians lives in poverty. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, I met Argentinians up here that have moved out because uh, they lost all their money during a devaluation event or, or uh, like uh, hyperinflation and so on. There's been several monetary events on there. This is like they're currently in a hyperinflation again, but mm. this is not the first time they've been in. Like, I think I wrote about it in my book, The End of Freedom Harm Monetary System and Slaves. And I think Argentina was like eight or 10 different monetary events where they either just overnight uh, made the, you know, the Argentinian peso like worth 75% less or 80% less. Or they just had a straight out hyper hyperinflation where the currency just lost value and they printed, you know, X amount of zeros after after um just because the government needed to spend money and so on so argentina is coming like they're really uh in desperate shape lots of Argentina. it's very hard to do business down there. you can't even um you know sell your asset and and get out of there for example like it's uh, it's kind of massive capital controls down there uh and so yeah it's, it's not been easy for people um that live in argentina a lot of them have moved you know especially the productive uh portion of the population and moved out of the country but but you know let's hope that uh, you know he's also an economist so let's hope that uh, Javier Millet can at least rattle some savers pretty heavily they they really heavily are uh, you know telling him that he is the new Donald Trump because they're trying to align him with Donald Trump but it's so different from Donald yeah. Trump as I tried to explain right so uh and he was against you know like Talking about Trump, he's he was against you know anything to do with the vaccine and and mandating anything uh, surrounding that. So that just shows you, and and as you as your T-shirt shows, you know <laughs> yeah. what kind of the belief is on Donald, which makes sense because he yeah. did it, right? So yeah, no, it's um it's quite interesting. It'll be very interesting to see what's going on. I I I was excited, anyways. I I declared among a whole bunch of my anarcho-capitalist friends. We should now have the 20th of uh, uh, of November should be declared anarcho-capitalist day. 
and we should all have a day without government. <laughs> there you go. That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds wonderful to me. Yeah, but anyways, the, you know, you can always hope. And uh, uh, but that's what's going on down there now. There is actually interesting things that are developed. Like um, people have found them on the World Economic uh, Forum site. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name that could be because like so. I, I try to tell people this: that just because they're on the World Economic uh, Forum site doesn't mean that they align with them. Uh, the the people that I'm really worried about when it comes to the World Economic Forum is the people that are the young global leaders or global yeah. leaders for tomorrow, or they're part of the Global Shapers Network, uh, which is yep. even younger people, right? So uh, just because you have your name on the website doesn't really mean that you, maybe you attended one time or uh, it doesn't mean that you're there hanging out with uh, Klaus Schwab doing all the fun stuff, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, but anyways, like he he's been there. Who knows what he was on? Like it says that actually he was a B twenty and G twenty um, uh, advisor. So he has been advising on economics. Uh, interestingly enough, during his current uh, regime that have been in control in Argentina, so it's uh, kind of interesting. But yeah, if you look up Millet on, and then on his website there at the World Economic Forum, you find that he's actually advised to the G twenty is like the um, uh, the government side of the 20, uh, group of 12, 20 nations. And then B20 is the business corporate side of that. So, yeah, I don't know what his, you know, uh, what he's been doing there. It's, I can't find, but I can't find him as a young global leader anyway. So that's interesting. Well, um, you know, and I know you've done a lot of work in that. I want to take a quick detour here because I do have some more follow up questions there, but I know you've done a lot of work in covering and exposing the young global, global leader program. And here's a perfect example. So you guys, John runs this side. This is younggloballeaders.club, right? Yeah, Look at this. Not .org. Yes, .club. They're in a club. So, you, you know, obviously it's a, it's a comprehensive thing. But if you look, if you look at the top here, you can search the list. So he has all of the databases. Yeah. So if, you're, if there's an individual that's on your radar that you want to and see. And you can download it if you want to. It's actually a full sp- uh, spreadsheet there. Let's I'll see probably look our... up Millet. I'm pretty sure he's not okay. on there. But uh, Let us see. Is it M-I-L-E-I? Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. M-I-L-E-I. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Here's it. Javier. No records found. <laughs> no, no, Javier. Really. That's good. Okay, yeah. so that's good. Yeah. Let's do Zuckerberg. Let's oh, just yeah. see. Zuckerberg. Look at him. There he is. And yeah. see, look at this. It tells you the date, nationality, position, organization, and then all kinds of uh yeah it's pulled like from their bios so like that's uh randy zuckerberg oh, who's that, that i think it's a sister or something oh gosh zuckerberg has a sister let's check this out i yeah look that look that up because i don't remember if that's his sister or maybe it's cousin or... oh my god it looks like him it's the female version of mark zuckerberg dude look <laughs> it looks like him it is mark zuckerberg's sister look at that it's like if mark zuckerberg was a woman uh, <laughs> yeah, I think she's actually in in uh, Facebook with him. Like uh, she works. This is a family business. <laughs> I mean, apparently, apparently. Oh my god! There you go. Oh my god! I can see him. That's so crazy. That's so trippy. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so but anyways, I, I I I don't know how I got the domain. Uh, you know, it's actually the same as the website, but just dot club instead of dot org. Yep. Younggloballeaders.club. I'll make sure to add that. I'll put that that's in the more chat. true. You know, it's not yeah. an organization. It's a club. And you yep. ain't in it. I'll put <laughs> as, that in the uh, chat. As a w- certain uh, guy said, you know, what, what's his name? The comedian there that died. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. God, what's his freaking yeah. name? Of course. I totally forgot it. 
George Carlin. Carlin, yeah. George Carlin, yes, yes. <laughs> well, I put that in the group chat out of the chat, and if yeah. and as soon as I'm done, I'll put that in the episode. That's a great tool, you know. It's a great tool, uh, yeah. I uh, I was lucky that somebody threw some money at me, and I spent I think like half a year. <laughs> it's uh, three thousand seven hundred people on there, so and and you could actually download the the whole Excel spreadsheet on there too mm. if you want to. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, great job, great job, Be, being diligent ahead of the curb. So I wanted to ask you more about the central bank situation because hopefully everybody listening here um, has kind of a basic fundamental understanding of the central bank system, particularly here in the United States, and how that's kind of rippled out into the world and. We've kind of exported our our idea of freedom, aka central banks, throughout the world, right? <laughs> and the whole story of uh, exactly the creatures from Jekyll Island, which I know, like I like I mentioned, you've uh, collaborated with G. Edward Griffin, which is so amazing. Um, so we're just assuming people have kind of a basic understanding of that system, but we also know that historically, when people do try to disrupt the central bank system, it usually doesn't go over too well. I know yes, Andrew um, Jackson was very prolific. Good luck with Javier Millet. Yeah, I know. And then, uh, of course, uh, John F. Kennedy was yeah. uh, in, in that milieu, and, and it didn't work out too good for him. So what are, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is that is that uh, – is, is he is he in danger? Like, do they oh, – probably. Mean, see, we, like, uh, we haven't seen, like, an assassin – well, I can't say that. Like, we haven't seen, like – like, here's my thoughts. Like, yeah. assassinations was, like, their go-to play in, like, the 60s. 50s, 60s, 70s, right? They would assassinate anybody. It was like their main strategy. But now we haven't had like a good political, not a good, you know what I mean? We haven't had like a legit political assassination here in the United States in like oh, yeah. a long time. So they've obviously retired that play in the playbook, but it does happen around the world. Like we saw that happen in Japan. You know, it still happens in, in uh, like South American it, countries. Yeah, I think it was Ecuador or was mm -hmm. it Bolivia or something or mm -hmm. Colombia? One of those three countries that just recently, uh, they had an election. And the guy that was running a post to the the guy in charge, he got killed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it still <laughs> yeah. happens. So right. what are your thoughts on on how much danger he's in taking on the central oh, you, banks? Like what you know, like that? you're in a lot of danger when you take on the central banks. You got to remember that like banks are run the game. They're yeah. they're the ones in charge because they create currency out of thin air. And actually, uh, you know, the central banks gets talked about, but actually who creates the most amount of money is the is the actual regular banks. The commercial banking system creates uh, 10 times more than the actual Federal Reserve. Now, what happens is that the, the, uh, the government goes and does what's called deficit spending. They borrow money, they create a bond, and then they swap the bond with some cash uh, at the Fed. And then that gets deposited into the banking system, into any of the banks who know, like it could be Bank of America, Citibank, JP Morgan, doesn't matter which one of them, but it gets deposited there. And then now uh, that's when the whole uh, Ponzi scheme starts, when they can then start lending. They, they don't really, actually, it's it's kind of like, it used to be what's called a fractional reserve banking system with excess excessive reserves and all that stuff. That actually, they got away from that in, mm. in May of 2020. Yep. Right after COVID, of course, and actually before COVID, in uh, in September 2019, the banking collapse started. And then, interestingly enough, you had COVID coming out uh, and then kind of hiding the whole banking collapse, which like blew up in March of 2020. Wasn't that associated with the repo market? Yeah, the repo. Yeah, so that, yeah. yeah, it's overnight lending between banks to yeah. then stay solvent by having X amount of reserves that they have to have. Uh, legislatively, you have to have a certain amount of reserves, so they trade in between each other. If one bank yeah. doesn't have enough, it's got to, uh, you know, go overnight and then borrow for somebody else, put up some collateral. But what ended up happening, I think, some banks didn't have it, and then they had to bail out every single bank: J.P. Morgan, 
uh, TD Bank, uh, RBC, Citibank, all the big, like, uh, there's a list of banks that are the too big to fail banks. And you can look this up. It's called the GSIB list, the Global Systemically Important Banks. And this list is actually coming out in either uh, this week or next week again for the next year. Uh, but it's a it's a list of banks that gets created by a group called the Financial Stability Board. Uh, and the Financial Stability Board, they actually uh, do the whole, like what the Financial Stability Board does, it's 20 central bankers that create rules for everyone, mm. uh, for all the financial system. Like when it comes to accounting, the stock market, uh, when it comes to banking, uh, and and all all aspects of financial system, they're actually now creating legislation. They're saying that oh, they're just they just propose legislation, uh, and then they just give it as a this is an idea. G20 countries plus, you know, the, you could take it or leave it. But if you want to, here's a bail-in policy, or here's a way to you know uh, run your CBDC, for example. Like they come out with policies like that, and there's only 20 central bankers that create these rules and regulations. And then a lot of times they get implemented uh, and you see them just trickling in like the crypto regulation that have come out. Now that came out of those guys. Uh, and not a lot of people know about that group, but they have a lot of power. They were created uh, many years ago by Mario Draghi um, uh, before he, um, uh, when he was a part of, I forgot where he was uh, at the time. He's coming for Goldman Sachs, of course, uh, Mario Draghi. But uh, then he had Mark Carney took over, which is a former Bank of Canada, former ba uh, Central Bank of uh, England chief. And uh, of course, Mark Carney, he's a little scumbag running around now here in Canada trying to push uh, a lot more taxes and green agenda on Canadians. Uh, but that group, the FSB, is in, in a lot of control. And they actually, like, they meet uh, on a semi-annual basis. Um, I've, not the FSB, but I snuck into another group that consults to the FSB group, which is called Group 30. Uh, and what they do is they basically are the top bankers, the, uh, the uh, basically the chairs of all the banks, uh, the top economists, and the... Um, um uh oh, who's the other ones that are there now it's uh, oh yeah the chiefs of the central banks so it's like a bilderberg for bankers um uh, and they meet the annually there as well i actually snuck into one of their meetings and nice. asked the question about the if the us dollar could collapse and timothy geithner didn't like that uh, you, could yeah. see the, wow. you could see his face i actually have on my website uh the, for people if they're curious if you look under i think it's under my economic analysis you have a video where i asked the question to uh to uh what's his name there timothy geithner which which was during the great financial crisis uh he was the treasury secretary uh, for the united states at the time um Yep. But yeah, these central bankers, you know, coming back to it, uh, when you question the, the monetary system itself that these central bankers rely on, you know, the, you're in grave danger, uh, no matter what you try to do. Um, I just recently read a book called uh, The Great Taking uh, mm. by a former Wall Street guy. But what he's found out that none of us own any assets, basically, like when you own, uh, you know, your shares, your ETFs, whatever you uh, have at the bank, it's actually owned in what's called street name. So mm. you actually then you you own the title to like be able to benefit from that stock, but you don't own it. It's actually either the bank that has title or it's a uh, depository trust company called DTCC in the United States yeah. Yeah. that that holds it. Yeah, and I've so, heard of this. Yeah, and so basically you own nothing uh, right yep. now, and uh, and we're still we're getting a little pissed off, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, God, yeah, I remember hearing about that. I think it was Mel K was the one that told us about. 
DTCC oh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, that was interesting. It's like actually, you don't I know think I think she actually was the one that uh, like me and Timothy Petrot that I was yep. doing reports with at the time. I think we actually like uh, caught on to that and then we kind of covered it uh, a bit. And now it's kind of coming with the new book that just came out there by David Webb, I think his name is. Um, it just comes out. He talks about the 1930s and what happened with uh, how they confiscated assets during the Great Depression. So kind of like, uh, you know, what he was trying to then ask. Actually, he asked a question to a top banker friend, like really, really high up. Uh, and uh, he was then threatened, uh, you know, like uh, what they said to him is like, uh, yeah, do you love your family? <laughs> Basically, that's uh, that's the kind of answer he got back when he ans asked about, you know, what, what's going on with this ownership thing? You know, like, are you guys lying to the public here? Yeah. And yeah, that's when he got slapped with that one in his face. And uh, yeah, they're pretty wow. serious about that stuff. And uh, you got to remember, they're, they're, they're basically a mafia, right? So they're, mm -hmm. uh, that's why I call them banksters. Uh, and that's how they behave. <laughs> like yeah. they literally threatened the you know a top Wall Street guy uh, with it when he started asking a few questions about the validity of actually ownership over these assets that we think we have. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy, man. And, you know, obviously the system's broken and something, you know, obviously we're driving right off a cliff. Like right now it's just heading right off the cliff. And I, and I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, I was hoping maybe we could get into that a little bit yeah. tonight, but obviously something's broken and something needs to change. <clears throat> and so if like in a situation like Argentina, it could be like a little Petri dish of like some sort of potential model. Like if they are able to implement something and it's actually successful, like who knows what, how that will ripple out in the future, you know, but Obviously, something's broken, and maybe that was the intention of the whole system to begin with. I mean, that was one of the takeaways I had with reading, like, the creature from Jekyll Island. It's like, that's, like, almost the intention of the central bank is, like, so that you creates these crises. It, like, creates bubbles, and then it, you profit on the bubble, and you profit on the burst, you know, with the bailouts. It's like you creates a system where it's, like, it's almost designed to, to fail to the, to the extent that you can profit while it's failing. You know what I mean? It's a, like, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. If you look at how it's structured, let me let me try to explain it in a very yeah. simple term. Okay, so I I have a hundred dollars. I borrow them to you. Uh, I lend them to you, and then uh, what you be asking me? Uh, it's like okay, that's great. Uh, but then I say like, listen, I I, I want three percent interest on that. Okay, so that's the only hundred dollars in existence right now. Yeah. This is how the system works, right? And so I want three percent. How are you going to get that? Mm -hmm. come to exactly. me i i i, I could create more for you yeah uh, and so that's what happens is there's never if you paid off all the debt that exists in the world there would still be interest owed mm -hmm. so that's why you need a constant growth of debt in mm -hmm. everything and now we're kind of at the i i don't know how much longer we're going to be able to take it because we're so indebted on all levels right but that's what it gets to it gets to a peak debt bubble basically where everybody's indebted and then how are we going to indebt ourselves more? I guess you could just borrow more and more and more. And that's what you need. But if it, it does, if that doesn't happen, if you get something that's called inflation, because the currency supply increases and, and the monetary supply increases. And then if you get what you actually what's currently happening, and this never happened since the 1930s, by the way, uh, is that the monetary supply, the supply of all currency, both digital and um, and and other currency in existence, is actually shrinking. It's actually going negative. Uh, and so what that means is that uh, there's less supply of currency. That means that there's less supply of currency. 
to pay off the debt, pay off the principal, pay off the interest. And, and today, the, our modern monetary system, it's built so that basically all corporations, they don't even pay down the principal on their debt anymore. Mm. Our governments doesn't do it. Uh, but if you and me have, you know, our mortgage, you know, we have to pay, uh, you know, the principal plus interest. Uh, we can't get away with it. But uh, all of the the big corporations and the um, and the banks and and the whole uh, government itself, they only pay interest. They don't pay the they never pay down debt, <laughs> and so it just keeps on increasing. And that's why, like, uh, they want more debt. They want to have more deficit spending. They gotta you know, print more currency because they're going to fight that because if you get less of a supply, now there's going to be less supply to per, uh, like pay off the interest on the debt even. And so it's not even like there, there are a level where even like a shrinking of that, they're struggling to just pay the interest on the debt and uh, not just the principal and interest, but they're struggling to pay actually the, the interest, just mm-hmm. interest itself on the debt that they owe. And so that is the, the basically the death blow to to the monetary system. So either what's going to have to happen, they're going to have to cut rates again. They're going to have to come in with mass amounts of monetary stimulus where they'll be like, oh, we're going to have all these programs for all these unemployed people that we're getting now. And so they're going to come back again, you know, doing like what they did in um, 2020 uh, in 2008, they're going to come back and do stimulus again into the economy, trying to keep it alive. You know, like it's uh, basically what they're doing is trying to, you know, you, you, you're basically overdosing. Let's say the, uh, the economy is a person, you know, they're overdosing on the heroin that's money or fentanyl or whatever you want to call it. And they're giving them another shot of fentanyl while you're overdosing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so crazy, man. Yeah. So what, what are the, I mean, when you're thinking of like this potential collapse, like I'm wondering like what that's going to look like. Is it going to be like a hyperinflation situation? Is it going to okay. be like we're going to wake up one day and it's just going to be everything's just going to be, you know, like Weimar Republic type of deal? Like, or is it just going to be like, like I would argue, like if we're looking for indicators, the indicators are already there. Like the money, like money is just like, I was like at a coffee shop and they had like a, like a little wrap. That you would, I mean, to me, like the value of that would be like $4 if I'm thinking in like 2019 terms, but they wanted like 12 bucks for it. It's a teeny little thing. I'm like, who in the world is even paying $12? Like, why would they even bother making that and putting a $12 thing on it? It's like insane. You know, like, like, so obviously the monetary, like the value of the dollar is like through the roof or it's like, it's, it's not, it's not anything anymore. So, I mean, what is it going to look like? What are the indications and are we seeing them already? Well, so the, the one indication, as I said, it's what's called deflation, where the actual monetary system is shrinking. And the reason why it's shrinking is because people can't pay off the debt. So mm-hmm. the debt, they can't pay off the debt. So what ends up happening is that debt defaults. And when the debt defaults, uh, basically, uh, it ceases to exist, basically, mm-hmm. because they can't pay it. You just can't pay it. Right. So that's that's the number one reason why I get deflation, which is the worst enemy of any central banker or banker. Like Ben Bernanke wrote in his 2002 speech, is like uh, what we could take comfort in is that we have a printing press to fight deflation. He oh said. wow! And he said also that they could buy whatever assets they want. So I wrote in 2017. I talked. To, I, I wrote in a piece called "The Federal Reserve Will Own Everything Then Nothing," and this is way before the World Economic Forum was talking about. Uh, you own nothing and be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what ends up happening is I, I look at Japan and in Japan, they had to bail out everything. They bought stock. The central bank ended up buying stocks, real estate. Uh, they bought all the ETFs because 
when you have an ETF and you sell off the ETF, there's nobody, no buyers anymore. So they have to buy. What's an, what's an ETF? I don't know. What that is. It's called an exchange traded fund. Okay. So what that is, is basically they created a fund with a whole bunch of shares in it. And then they buy an asset. It could be a stock. It could be a bond. It could be even gold. And they keep it in there. But what they could do is they could issue shares in that uh, fund that they hold an asset in. So they could create they could create unlimited amount of shares if they wanted to and still have the same amount of assets. So it could be a big scam. Like I think, uh, for example, the gold paper version, the SLV and GLD is. Um, but uh, those funds, they hold like assets and then they have shares in them. Uh, so it, instead of you buying a, sh a stock, you hold an ETF that owns a stock. Okay. So you, yeah, so further divide, it's, a, it's a further derivative of the real thing. But cool. what ends up happening is that when they sell off, that like now everybody's what's called passive. So everybody's buying, keep on buying. These funds are just, that's why you see Vanguard, BlackRock, you know, State Street, all these boys are just loading up on assets. But what if they were to sell? What if they have to sell these assets now? Um, and then what's going to end up happening is there's going to be no buyers. Oh, wait, the central bank will come in like it did in Japan. And they bought 86% of all those funds wow. um, uh, back. At, this is like 10 years ago that they actually did that. Uh, but yeah, that's what's going to end up happening. Like in Norway during uh, the crisis, they had the, the, the central bank of Norway bought 4% of the stock market. They bought stocks. You know, the center. during the crisis here in, in the United States, they created special programs that the population doesn't know about called PMCCF and uh, SMCCF, which is primary and secondary market um, um, something. I forgot what it's called, but what they did is they bought uh, then ETFs and corporate bonds that were defaulting and going bad. And they kept them in a corporation on the side off of the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve because the Federal Reserve, uh, currently, is not legally allowed to buy ETFs, uh, so they had to do it on the side in a separate corporation. Uh, while population is seeing COVID, they're bailing everybody out over here. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, it was a, it was a great scam. You know, this happens like every time there's a financial crisis. Two thousand one, you get nine eleven, right? You mm -hmm. get the Iraqi war after two thousand and eight. So there's always like this big thing that they are able to pull off to divert your attention to that your uh, your wealth is shrinking and you're and you know collapsing. It's like oh see over here terrorists you know bad people let's go and kill them. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing and and that's what happens during all these uh, crises like um, when there's ever a crisis you know there's always like look at what happened in Israel there you know uh, uh, the totalitarian right wing government by or led by Netanyahu comes in and uh, they're trying to put some uh, very totalitarian laws through that you know limits the, the rights of certain people in the country and those massive protests there and then suddenly uh, you know oh we we forgot to uh, put like the, the iron shield uh, what iron dome is down uh, <laughs> just magically and then suddenly they come out you know little gliders and uh, massive mm -hmm. terrorist attack you know it's uh, it's always like super low tech that they always come in, and then the nine eleven. You know, oh, oh, there's a passport. You know, from yep. all these years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just talking to a friend the other night, and we were comparing stories about how we woke up, and it was both nine eleven for both of us. Mine was Tower Seven, hers was uh, the passport. She's like, oh yeah. As soon as I heard the passport story, I knew it was all a bunch of baloney. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's awesome. And hey, so, passports yeah. are solid. They're really good built yeah. objects. Exactly. If they could just build like, you know, bridges out of passport, whatever material they're using to build those passports, they could just 
Yeah, it's not plastic. You know, it's yeah. something highly indestructible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, anyway. um, so okay, so one could argue very easily that you know they it would be to their benefit again to collapse the current monetary system and just get rid of it completely because they have this other system in their back pocket and they're just dying to implement it, right? <laughs> the central bank digital currency system. So yeah. what is the state of that? Are, are there any updates? Like I know, so, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's got their takes on it. What, and I, but I trust and value your opinion probably more so than any of most talking heads out there. So what, what is the current state of the whole CBDC situation? Um, what is the likelihood that it'll be rolled out anytime soon? And do you think that they'll collapse our current system in order to bring that system in? Well, they need a, like the current system is not functioning right now. It has to, like it will collapse no matter if they try it or not. It's just built to collapse. Like there's no way out of it. Like we can't get out of the, the, the debt, the massive levels of debt we are in on all levels. So mm -hmm. that has to go. So what, yeah, of course, that's why everybody's talking reset, reset, you know, a great reset, you know, Klaus Schwab or, or you talk about monetary resets with IMF and so on. But what the current state is, uh, the, from the latest that I've seen, is that um, the uh, Georgieva, I think, yeah, Georgieva, uh, just came out and they had a big report uh, about a uh, what's called a wholesale central bank digital currency. And wholesale, um, people hear that all the IMF is creating a central bank and a central bank digital currency, and everybody thinks that they're going to use it. No, you, that's not for you. That's for the big banks, for the big corporations and intergovernmental uh, transactions, you know, like it is today. The SDR is actually a tool that is used today to transact and settle uh, things between governments today. It's, it's a currency run by a central bank called the International Monetary Fund. Mm -hmm. And so they're, what they're trying to do is uh, they're just creating an e-version, like a CBDC version of the current SDR system. Um, and, and so it's just like that. And that's called just a wholesale the, the central bank digital currency. What if you hear a retail uh, central bank digital currency, that's what we will deal with. Mm. Uh, we, that would be like an electronic version of our cur current system. Now, what's going to like, there's a book out there that was written in 2016 by Ken Rogoff called The Curse of Cash. And in that book, he, he talks about, like, this is way before it was called the CBDC. Um, and in the book, he was talking about the two biggest things about, a, a, let's say, central bank digital currency. He didn't say that at the time. Uh, but the two biggest things that they want as massive, uh, you know, properties that the government likes about it is tax collection. That's number one. Uh, and then the second one is, of course, you know, finding terrorists, as they call it. Mm -hmm. uh, that's their biggest. And then, of course, in the same book, they talk about how it's great to eradicate germs. You know, germs are very dangerous and can spread quickly on the money. And we saw that push, actually, during COVID, how they're really coming after, uh, like, a lot of stores, you know, like, oh, we're only, we're going cashless. We're going cashless because mm -hmm. of COVID, right? So I remember that. Yeah, to stop the spread of germs, we need yeah. to not have, yeah. Yeah. And then there, but there's lots of other projects out there. There's lots of like uh, center, but uh, I think it was the no, it was the Bank of International Settlements, which is a, the the bank supervisor. They supervise all the banks in the world, right? And, and they actually came out and stated that by 2025, we really want everybody to be ready to have something uh, available. So it seems like they're they're getting ready. Like what what ended up happening? This is interesting just to sidestep CBDCs for a second. Mm -hmm. um, in in 2019, uh, 2029 and in 1969, 
uh, two things that happen that happen now in 2021, and that was that both bonds and stocks uh, collapsed at the same time. Well, in 2029, what happened? You had a Great Depression. In 1933, you had the gold confiscation. In 1969, uh, you had then 1971, the U.S. went off the gold standard. And so I think though, it's a telling event of what uh, what is to come. Now, of course, uh, where are they going to reset? Because they, they went from a gold standard in 33, they went down to a... Um, uh, what do you call a semi-type of gold standard? That's a little bit of gold backing still in the. In, no, sorry, it all disappeared. So they they had a little bit more in '33. They went to a little bit less, and then '71 they went. You know, there's no gold backing of the currency at all, which doesn't really mean a lot. Like it's still a government-run currency, and I don't trust the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, uh, but anyways, so they went away from that. So now they have nothing. Like they just have like a pure printed currency with zero back. Well, it's the it's the tax dollars uh, uh, that are back in it with the weapon to their head, you know, to pay the taxes. That's basically what backs the United States dollar uh, right now and all other currencies for that matter. Like there's no other currencies out there that are any better than the United States dollar. So we're actually like right now, this is unique because in history you had like a, a gold kind of type of backing system where all oh, this currency went off and then it collapsed and so on. But all of us are in the same boat. Uh, everywhere, like especially Western countries, even in China, China has a massive uh, debt bubble that they're going through right now. They're collapsing. You know, you got all the Western countries are collapsing. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's really, um, we're in a huge predicament. So in that point, you know, being able to implement a central bank digital currency, it's the uh, two aspects of tax collection and being able to control and and then target or, or watch out for people. Look at what happened in Canada. Even like mm-hmm. you don't even need CBDC to control people. They just came straight out and then shut down bank accounts yep. for people that they didn't like. Yep. And then you got like Nikki Haley and all these folks running around here in the United States saying how like you know we need to have like internet ID programs too. So like yeah, that that it. works great in China. Yeah, and <laughs> and so you know in association with your central bank digital currency, if you yeah. like make a tweet that the establishment doesn't agree with, and these idiots they don't realize yeah exactly like oh you don't get to buy gas or food today so you know what I mean and it's like these idiots that are so on board thinking that they're a part of the establishment and that are rooting for these things. They don't realize that once these systems are in place, it's going to affect them as well. They're not, they're just the useful idiots. Like yeah. throughout history, you know, do the useful idiots ever pause for a moment and realize, God, I wonder if I'm like a useful idiot in this situation. And right? that's, that's when they get whacked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. As soon as they wake up to the fact that they're a useful idiot, then they get taken out. Right. It's like, it's like that first scene yeah. in the Joker or what is it? The dark Knight. Right. Where they're like, where they're like robbing the bank. And then it's like the one Joker like kills the one in front of them. Like once his job's done. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like that sort of thing. It's like, like, so these useful idiots are just going along. It's like, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your kids. Yeah. Do you want your kids to be your grandkids to be born literally into slavery, yeah. like literally into absolute clamped well, so, down. So slavery. actually talking about CBDCs, there's two versions of it that are fighting right now. It's the one that is just purely backed by a central bank. So like, let's say you would have the Federal Reserve or let's say it would be the U.S. Treasury or you, like what um, uh, what uh, JFK wanted. He wanted the United States to issue its own currency, which they actually have. There's something called the United States dollar. Uh, it actually exists still in circulation in the United States, but they kind of it's it's that version where the government runs it, 
through a central bank, or it's the actual current version where you still have the same kind of system that we have where the banks are involved. So that's the two that are fighting each other. It's the banksters that want still control over it. And if you look up the digital dollar project, that's kind of the banksters, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, their lobbying arm uh, to try to have a bank like still be involved in the in the current system. Uh, or, and then you have the government itself wanting to run itself because it wants to cut out the banksters. Mm, uh, they have, I've looked at these guys before, the digital dollar project. Yeah, yeah I've seen this before. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, yeah. but but all it comes down to, it's just very simple with CBDCs. They just want to control and they want to be able to, you know, get taxes as efficiently as possible from you. Because if you, uh, you can't be outside of that system, you're inside of the system and uh, and they can control it. Like what? Actually, one of the two major things in in uh, Broga's book was he looked at uh, the amount of black market he called it in the country, and I guess what countries had the biggest black markets? It was one outlier, which was Turkey, but then all the other ones at the top is all the Scandinavian countries and France. I'm from Norway, yeah. and uh, let me tell you, yeah, the in Norway taxes are beyond ridiculous. Mm. Just to get a gigantic government. And so you wonder, oh, I wonder why people are avoiding taxes in Norway. You know, why the Scandinavians are the biggest tax evaders <laughs> trying yeah. to work under the table. And so that's what they want to stop. They really just want, mm. you know, be able to collect taxes as fast and efficiently as possible from the public. And so that's all they care about. They don't really like uh, CBDC is like, oh, yeah, so, uh, you know, easy and efficient to use. It's like, OK, uh, that's all good. But it's uh, I, I, I wouldn't trust a government with anything to do with controlling anything. So like they're doing a miserable job right now. And so uh, if they really take control over things, look at what's happening in China. I had a presentation in 2019 uh, at uh, the Red Pill Expo for like. Jim Griffin had me write a, uh, a whole piece on, you know, what's happening in China with the social credit scoring and all that stuff. So uh, in China, they're, they're doing great. You know, it's uh, if you, uh, you know, government doesn't like you any good low enough score, you can't travel, you can't, uh, you know, buy or borrow money. Uh, so like, yeah, the, it's working really good for Chinese. But I think like throughout time, there's this a pendulum swinging in, in, in our history of time. And it swings from, uh, utter totalitarianism over here and then fully decentralized autonomy over here and, and freedom and, and individuals. So you could call the collectivism is over here where mm. you have like that's peak totalitarianism. And then you got individualism over here, which is complete freedom uh, of the individual itself to do whatever they want. And so that always swings forth and back, forth and back. And it swings with the, the, the creation of a central currency, because what that does, it creates a centralized entity that could control everything because the central bank is a branch of communism, right? So it, it basically creates communism. And, and in the United States, actually, uh, they are almost more communist than China uh, in certain policies, which is pretty ridiculous to think wow. of, but it actually is uh, because of a lot of policies that they have. So even though like it's super totalitarian with their digital regime over there, uh, you still have like that. And, and so, like having those things, and and you know, digital things are coming in in our uh, in our face, and they're trying to digitalize everything, and control you. And of course, they, as Nikki Haley wants to do, she wants to have you, you know, log into the internet basically, uh, to get access to it by you know saying who you are. 
um uh, you know that that would work really well for all the government trolls that are on the uh, you know on these uh, websites <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and scamming us by putting out government propaganda of course yeah. uh, but but with that like it, the digitalization so i i i'm trying to work i actually got involved in a project um that are trying to decentralize the internet back again i bumped into these crazy uh, there was a, a libertarian from the UK that I bumped into, and he has actually a, a bunch of Americans, uh, hackers, that is. And one of the guys on the team, they don't want to be recognized because they're you know, afraid that they're going to get Snowden or uh, uh, Russ Albrecht. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but what they've created is they created a peer to peer communication system. I was going to so, ask you about this. So, this is great. Uh, yeah. Let me pull this up here. Yeah, this is really, really, really cool because I, I looked at so many projects. I've been involved like some blockchain projects as an advisor and stuff too. And a lot of times when I look at projects, I've probably looked at a hundred different types of projects of the sort where they have, you know, they promise everything. And and then they, when it comes down to it, it's like, where's your product? I was like, oh, it doesn't exist yet, but we're going to create it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, these guys actually have created it. It actually works. And um, I set up actually on my website, uh, uh, one of my websites, I sat, uh, put this up and I've been trying it forth and back. And uh, and it actually like uh, works really well. Um, like the, they have a, a couple of different versions now. They have a phone version. So you could have a digital phone pair to pair. Just call people like direct. So what happens with this thing is that you actually uh, use BitTorrent. This mm. is really cool. You know, a good old BitTorrent is coming back again. You know, wow. I, I like to talk about it and how cool BitTorrent is because you never could shut it down, right? So what ends up happening is it uses that torrent network and then it connects uh, by something called pairing. Uh, so you click on a link that you get, uh, like uh, you log on to this website. Uh, well, actually, you don't log on. You just put in the website, uh, my website, for example. And this program in the background gives you an address. You share that address with me. And then basically, uh, both of us log into that. It then shows pairing, uh, and then takes up to a minute if you're really bad connection. And then suddenly we have a direct connection between your device and my device without any central servers. Cool. You know, like Jitsi, uh, Zoom, Skype, uh, you know, Teams, all those things. They have centralized servers, so you basically can see the traffic. You know, going through, you can you can actually see and then look at the content. I remember during COVID, they were looking at what people were saying about COVID and Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. So this, I think, is gonna to, uh, like completely revolutionize the video communication world because now you and me could talk directly uh, without anybody being able to. The only thing they could see is that we're having a video call or a, or just a chat or whatever we're doing there. They can see what the traffic is, but they have no chance of actually looking directly at it other than finding that exact link and then logging into our room. But then you see that there's a person in the room. So they can't really like uh, be able in the background hide, you know, as they do now, they'd be easily be able to see uh, the video calls or whatever <laughs> you've done, right, throughout the time. So I, I think it's super cool because I'm very excited. I, I tried it many times and, uh, I tried it with family members in Norway, and I, I called, like, Australia, like, all over the place. And it works uh, almost every time, except for if you're behind a big firewall in a company or something. Uh, but it, it's it's kind of groundbreaking. They came out with this two weeks ago, and it's already working. Wow. Like, it's already <laughs> working. Uh, that makes me super excited because I'm, like, I'm used to, you know, like, everybody just telling me all these dreams that they have. And then, like, you, you're like, yeah, where's the product? Oh, it might be a year out, two out, three out. 
yeah. whatever. And and so like having something that actually works like that, the outer net, they call it. Yep. <laughs> Not the internet, the outer net. <laughs> the outer net. Uh, and it's uh, if you guys go to outer dot net it's, it's outer spelled with two r's so out yeah. o-u-t-e-r-r dot net yeah put it in the chat check it yeah, out and 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 so for the future like actually what we've done is that uh for all the programmers out there go and download the code it's already out there in the wilderness so the government can't stop it now uh they're screwed basically uh it's been released through open source so everybody has access to it that wants it and then the only the reason why we want to monetize it a certain way, but for the public, it's completely free. That is wow. the craziest thing. Uh, you could create your own versions of it and then sell it to someone if you really wanted to. Whoa. Uh, it's really wild. And so, but what we have done is that if you want a custom version uh, for yourself or for your corporation, you know, our team can build it for you for for a certain amount of money. Like yeah. I think it's like forty nine dollars. But like. Uh, the mission was to just get it out there, get it into the wild so nobody could stop it. They can't come after the programmers. They can't come after me or uh, or, or my buddy uh, James over in the UK. They can't come after us. It's yeah. out there. You know, like it's uh, it's basically uh, like Bitcoin or like the BitTorrent network. It's like they could shut down, you know, like 2,000 servers or 2,000 Bitcoin locations, but they can't shut down everything. And it will always be alive. Like the, and, and what they're doing with this is that they've been showing me another version of this that it probably a year out or something, which is pretty wild. They're looking at building decentralized uh, social media. Oh. Yeah. So actually, so you host your social media site on your own computer, and then people just log in over like everywhere through this network. And then uh, basically the network runs the social media, not on a central server, but thousands of computers. Uh, is that kind of like a Mastodon kind of? I, I think it might be like a little bit similar to it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't, yeah, I think it's uh, that's, you know, their approach. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Like that's one word. But the video is amazing. Is, yeah. No, that's I great. just love the video uh, capability and, and, you know, having the capability of communicating directly between you and me without any like it's basically my computer or your phone or your phone or my computer just directly connected and they are talking yeah. to each other. There's no server out there. It doesn't go through that server and then come back. It's right there. So it's like pretty groundbreaking that way because I, there's nothing that really works that way yet. And uh, so it's super exciting. You know, I, when I found this, I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. So I, I, I got really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that wants freedom. So like this yeah. is right up my alley. So I'm, I'm just promoting as much as I can to everybody. That's great. Just get it out there, you know, talk freely without the government interference, you know, that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, it'd be a really cool integration if you can pass the word along or maybe you could work on it, but it's like it happened like an RTMP integration for like live streaming, you know, like an RTMP server type deal where you put that it then pushes whatever you're. Like, let's say we're doing like right now, basically, that's what StreamYard is. This app is it basically takes our video chat and it pushes it out to like, you know, all the like, like right now we're live on Rumble and Rockfin and Twitter yeah. and Twitch. So basically it pushes this feed out to all of those different platforms. So that'd be cool. Well, if, that well, if, you, if you're interested, if you're like, the, are you pretty like technically savvy kind of? Or? A little bit. I'm not like coding. Yeah. Like I can't like code or anything. No, like no. That, but, but if if you have the idea, like I, I'd love for you to uh, actually, I'll send this video to uh, yeah. to the team 
And then they could see what they could go up at. Because uh, right now, you you and me could have a conversation on there, and we could have hundreds of people joining in. Exactly, exactly. It could be either like you could do that, but like this, like actually having this with the setup that you have with the streamyard and everything. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure how that is. But yeah, that's a great point of question to the boys and uh, totally. uh if they could come up with that that's pretty groundbreaking because now you can't shut it down it's not on rumble it's yep. not on odyssey even uses amazon like it's not on any of the yep. centralized places so it's like totally. basically it, it's irrefutable and you can't stop it <laughs> yeah i know i've noticed that some of the most subversive sites out there are hosted on Amazon, AWS, yeah, Amazon World yeah. Services. So it's like, dude, it's like, what are you thinking, man? Like, <laughs> even websites that are very near and dear to my heart that are just yeah. like, why, why Amazon? Come on, guys, what are we doing? <laughs> well, it's, like, it's simple. It's simple, right? So, like, yeah, yeah. The, with this thing though, it's like they're actually working on password protection, and they're using potentially like they're using two approaches: a centralized approach, which if you want to have that center, because if as soon as you have a password database, now it's centralized. That, that password is centralized, not the communication, but the access to the website through a database mm-hmm. password, right? Yep. Um, or they're working on having like a passphrase, like a Bitcoin, you know, like when you open a wallet, like a passphrase like that. And that would be the de- basically decentralized. So yeah, the, the, like uh, now it's just like a uh, right open, you know, with a link that you could share with anyone and you could talk to anybody everywhere, which is, I, I just love it. So like n- enough about that, but it, I, I just thought like it's, it's That's a great. very awesome project that I'm very, very excited about because it's so revolutionary uh, that I, I think like everybody needs to know about it. And, you know, the, the greatest thing is that they actually released it like free and, and just because it's free, there's no trackers or anything, you know, yeah. Like, uh, which is like that's you know usually what you hear free. It's <laughs> like oh you know your spot. Sp- what am I getting into? Yeah, yeah, what am I getting myself into? Yeah. That's great, man. Like thanks for sharing that. It's a great solution. Mm-hmm. You know, I think kind of the theme of solutions is decentralization. You know, individuality. You yeah. know, individualism. Like that's what that's what brings us closer to freedom. So as we're kind of winding down here, in the in the in the midst of all of this. Uh, economic uncertainty and all kinds of stuff coming up here. What what would be like your final words of advice for people to kind of insulate themselves, reinforce themselves or position themselves to not only survive, but thrive during yeah. a potential economic collapse? Yeah. And no, I, I think you're probably, uh, your audience are probably very much aligned with what I'm going to say. Uh, but in my opinion, like what, what I would do, uh, and this is, well, what I would do, what I'm doing, uh, I would say is, you know, have have your own food. Like, see, this is the thing. When, when your money loses value, real things out there in the world, real things, you know, a uh, table, a computer screen, uh, you know, uh, all your food, uh, all that, those things are somewhat scarce. And they have a, a real value to us as human beings. Uh, our paper currency is just a measure of value. Mm-hmm. And of course, they interfered with it. If you were to, you know, use like if you were to build a sound house with our current monetary system, it would be like basically trying to build a house and the centimeter, uh, the the size of a centimeter changed all. The time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like you can't build anything sound with that, right? So uh, any like throughout these hyperinflation. So let's let, let me just tell people about what happens in hyperinflation because everybody talks about hyperinflation like it's something that the government really does uh a lot of times it's not even the government that really triggers it yeah they they spend the money and 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 money becomes more and more worthless but it's actually what a hyperinflation is it's when trust disappear so when trust disappear from a currency 
people stop using it or they start spending it a mass to try to get rid of it. And so when you try to spend it on something, you spend it on real things like your food and water and uh, and car, whatever they're trying to get their hands on. In, in uh, Turkey, for example, now they're buying used cars to protect their wealth or gold uh, to protect your wealth. So like they're trying to get rid of it as fast as they can. But what happens is that every all that currency comes jumping onto assets uh, onto commodities, onto buying your know, groceries and stuff. So grocery prices just skyrockets up into the air, and that's called a velocity. So when the velocity picks up, when there's tons of money chasing uh, these real things, because people understand that their currency that they're being, you know, have, receiving for their salaries and so on are becoming worthless. They're trying to get rid of it as fast as they can. So uh, a shock like that happens. And then it just like uh, intensifies because people are like, oh, shit, you know, how prices went up 150 percent, you know. And so suddenly you got that shock. So now no, nobody wants to use it. And the government gets desperate because they need you to use it to pay for their debt, to pay for like and then tax you on it. So they don't have any revenue. So what they do, and this happened in Venezuela, just print as much as they can. And that's kind of death blow. And then people will be like, oh, I'm definitely not using any of it now. So it's using gold or I'm bartering with people. Um, and so what happens within one to six months when that trust uh, disappears, that you have a dead currency every time. There's no like, there's no like slow hyperinflation. It's like very instant, like wow. within a short period of time. So yeah, so back to that though. But during hyperinflations, I talked to a lot of people that have gone through hyperinflations or it could be an overnight event where they call it a devaluation. It's a hyperinflation overnight, basically, where your currency being taken. Let's say you had $100,000 of value that you could buy with something that, let's say it was your pension. And then overnight, they said that, oh, uh, as of tomorrow, uh, we have a new currency and your old currency can buy, you know, 10 of your old currency could buy one new unit uh, of the new currency. And your currency is now dropped 90% of value. So let's say that you had 100,000 worth of purchasing power. Now you have $10,000 overnight. And this happens a lot. So, the, and it's usually over a bank holiday, over a weekend. That's when it happens. Mm. And it can happen. Like that, that's the, that's the point is like the hyperinflation is actually very slow versus that event. Like that event could be very fast because the government is desperate. They need to, you know, devalue de to like create a whole bunch of currency and then evaporate all their debt because they can't pay it. Um, and so what do you need to protect yourself? Like I would say uh, probably like not being in debt, uh, even though that like, you could be lucky uh, that uh, the currency hyperinflates and you're able to, uh, you know, make a lot of money in the currency and then pay it off before. But what ends up happening is the banks might reset the, the loan and then suddenly it's uh, like your loan went from 10,000 up to 100,000 or a million mm. in a loan because they just revalued to the new. So you don't get away with like um, having that inflation, mm -hmm. you know, destroying your value too. No, only the government can do that. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, so probably being out of like being, I would say that the best way to describe it is being off grid with your money and being off grid with your life. Uh, would be the best way to really resist a reset like this because um, your assets, as we talked about, your financial assets, you know, they they aren't risk. Um, I still have some stocks and so on that I, I play with in markets, but I, again, you know, I I know that I might lose it if they confiscate it from me, right? Because it's digital, it, it's in my street name. We talked about that, right? So uh, it's not available. So 
like the, the only thing I really trust is things that I could hold in my own hands. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally have gold and silver that I hold in my own hand. It's somewhere safe. I don't think you can come to my property and steal it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's having that. <clears throat> and then also, uh, of course, like I, I usually have like a month, uh, no, sorry, a month, a year of supply of food at home. Um, and both like regular groceries, but I have a big garden. So I also like a lot of times save up there. I'm actually looking at getting chickens because I found in, in the local legislation, you could actually have chickens on a golf course. Like I live on a golf course. <laughs> I could have chicken right by the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but having those real things, you know, having uh, actual food that feeds you because during a hyperinflation, I had a friend of mine that survived the uh, 1992 hyperinflation in, uh, in um, what is it called now, in um, uh, Yugoslavia. And what he told me, he lived on a farm at the time. And if it wasn't for that, uh, he, he said that there was lots of people in the cities that were starving to death uh, because they just didn't have anything to feed themselves. Their salaries were worth nothing. Uh, they couldn't keep up. Like in Venezuela, they had like five to ten thousand percent increase in the minimum wage, and nothing happened. Like there's a there there's some good documentaries on if you search up Venezuela documentaries. Mm -hmm. There was a lady. She had a high high paying government job. She quit her government job because it was worth nothing. The money that she got because the money was losing so rapidly value, and then she started to go on the street and just sell coffee, and she made ten times more her salary. Wow. Uh, just by doing that, and, and that just shows you like commodities, real things. You know, yeah. like all, all our metals, everything that we create, things, everything that we can touch and see, you know, around us. That's real things. The currency is a makeup structure that, if in controlled by somebody that know that they could, you know, create unlimited amounts of it, they will do that and they will destroy the value of it over time. So if if you do save in that and you rely upon those savings, I would highly suggest to go and look at, you know, potential ways of uh, you know, looking at having something that could protect yourself. Like I like what how I protect myself against hyperinflation is when I save money and I don't, you know, buy food or whatever to survive. Uh, I save it in uh, precious metals uh, and a little bit in Bitcoin. I, I'm still like old school. I, I love Bitcoin, but I'm still old, very, very old school in a way that I, I just trust what has a massive track record. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so that's, you know, my biggest things. I, I just save in it. Like I, I keep that and it's it's not it's not an investment. It's what's called a wealth insurance. I, I like to call precious metals, real precious metal holding in your hand. If you go and buy some stocks or want to gamble in the stock markets, go and buy, you know, miner like gold and silver miners, you know, might take off. But uh, again, confiscation, you know, if you're on the grid, you know, with uh, with anything these days. So uh, I think like off grid type of living, if you can live as much like you don't have to be like a hermit living, you know, far outside of things, have your community around you, you know, like uh, and uh, but, you know, being outside of the cities is probably a huge plus these days anyways, um, because you see it every time like our whole like city type of structure is kind of collapsing in on mm -hmm. stuff because it's big government uh, is being created in these cities and becomes overwhelming. And this destroys civilization itself, unfortunately. Uh, and so like, the, the, yeah, the only way like I protect myself is by having my precious metals and, and then some, you know, some crypto that is kind of off that is electronic. I could trade with people if I wanted to in different countries, if I had to, uh, and then, of course, like having uh, the, the major thing for me is like having a garden uh, and then making sure that I have supply of food that would take care of me. And because there's something big happening uh, and we're not talking about just, a, you know, that you hear in the media like, oh, it's a it's a soft landing. 
this is like a soft crash landing. Uh, and it's probably not even that. It's like a hard crash landing. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to make uh, the, the, the financial crisis we had in 2008 look like child's play. I think we're back to another massive, massive reset scenario that probably will happen within the next five years. Very high probability. I, I don't know, you know. I can't say anything for certainty. But the, the probability now is just massively high. With, with all these guys talking about resets, they're setting dates for you know when countries should have their new currency, like the digital currencies up and so on. Uh, it, it clearly becomes um, where and then and then probably lastly, you know, um, one thing that I always forget is that have uh, your knowledge around you. You know, we're so used to like just going and searching on the internet. Well, what if let's say we had a really bad time. And uh, we we had to rely on you know things around us. Uh, probably be good to have uh, paper copies somewhere of things, or even on local hard drive. You know, protect the hard drive. Let's say that they go freaking wild and start uh, you know nuking everybody. Maybe not even like a real nuke on the ground, but they could be EMP nukes up in the air and then like destroy our electronics and everything, right? So like, uh, but having paper copies, like I uh, this is just like a, a tenth of my books here. That mm-hmm. you know, I I have, but it like having a library of things, you know, uh, having those ideas like available to you if if things really go bad, because there might be a disconnect between nations. You know, we might not be able to have certain technologies, and so uh, that knowledge disappears with that unless we are able to, uh, you know, build up something. You know, a community, uh, a local community could have you know a, a library together. You don't have to like just do it all by yourself right like it, awesome. it's, it's great yeah so like uh, that's like it's just off-grid again you know yeah yeah <laughs> off-grid 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 decentralization that's basically go. the theme of everything perfect man i love that the community library idea that's fantastic yeah. so that's awesome actually well, a friend of mine this is sorry to interrupt a friend of mine in Argent in uruguay uh, neighboring to argentina he actually bought like an insane library from the united states he bought it wow. and shipped it down there whoa yeah <laughs> That's amazing. That's some yeah. gangster shit right there. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a real gangster. That's awesome. Well, John, man, thank you yeah. so much. This has been great. Like, there's a lot of good information here. Um, tell everybody how they can follow and support you. Yeah, no, you can find me at theeconomictruth.org. You find everything there. I have a Telegram channel, but go on there. You'll find my Telegram channel. You find uh, I'm on Rumble, YouTube, Odyssey. Uh, but I have a, my own report called the Economic Truth Report. Um, and then I have a couple of books. You could either buy them directly on my website. Uh, they're called the, uh, the, the End of Freedom, How Our Monetary System Enslaves Us, uh, which is a book on monetary history. Or uh, if you're in Canada and you're interested, I wrote in 2017, I predicted the, the predicament we're in here in Canada. And I wrote a book about it and how to protect yourself uh, called Canada, the greatest economy in the world, question mark. Um, and... Um, yeah, you could also find different reports there if you're interested in uh, looking up uh, some of my reports that I have. As you can see, I wrote the report on the Australian economy. Uh, so I do kinds of stuff like that. You could also find uh, infographics that I create. If you go to my uh, website itself, like uh, on my homepage, there's like a, a tab called Infogram, like my infographics. So I, I actually share like lots of data. So if you if you love seeing things visualized, uh, you could actually then go and and look at um, uh, all the stuff that I do uh, under. If you go to the homepage there, go down and, and then you see uh, go down a little bit more there. Um, and and uh, oh yeah, I think it's somewhere there. Sorry, 
it's, it's on there somewhere. But anyways, uh, you can see like graphs and everything because people like to visualize stuff. So I do a lot of, I take a lot of data and then makes it into visual stuff. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I have lots of projects. As I said, the outer net, outer net with two rs.net, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy that, doing that uh, and helping those guys really getting it. Like, we just want it out to the public so we could uh, destroy how about throwing it into North Korea or into Russia or into China, you know, like uh, that would throw a monkey wrench into these totalitarian regimes uh, around there and into the United States. <laughs> but anyways, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's basically it. Thanks that's for it. having me on. Yeah, of course, John, thank you so much for coming on. Let's stay in touch and keep me posted as this thing continues to get crazier out there. Like let's uh, stay in touch <laughs> and we'll have you back. And 100%. I'm sure 2024, Pleasure. we're going to need a lot of updates. So Oh my god! Yeah, I, yeah, things are getting wild. Twenty twenty four is going to be the craziest one so far, I think yet. So, hey, uh, yeah. Biden twenty twenty four. Yeah, exactly. Oh my <laughs> god, dude, it's so crazy. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, John. We'll talk to y'all soon. And uh, oh, we got T Snyder up next week, so looking forward to that. I'll oh, catch you guys nice. later. All right, peace.